Hey everybody, I'm your host Tony McQueen and welcome to the ProAge Podcast where we talk about working to do something at a professional level while not being your full-time job. For me, I'm a full-time mechanical engineer while training to make the Haitian national team for track and field. For you, that can mean content creation of any kind, uh, making a podcast, YouTube, making music, woodworking, being a coach, whatever it may be, we can all learn from each other so we're all here to help each other grow. On today's episode, I got to sit down with Elizabeth, another on-run crew member just like myself, and she's a pro-ish Olympic weightlifter, and it was a great chat that I had with her, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, hey everybody, thanks for joining this episode. Today, I'm joined with another on-run crew guest, Liz. Um, she's an Olympic weightlifter, but I'm actually going to have her tell you a little bit more about herself before we get started, so go ahead, Liz. Okay, my name is Liz. I am a national level Olympic weightlifter. I have been in this sport for about four years now. I discovered the sport through CrossFit. Actually, I did that for probably four, almost five years, and then realized how much I hated running and rowing and all the endurance stuff and loved the barbell. So then I made it the official switch over to Olympic weightlifting and have never looked back. Um, But born and raised in Oklahoma City, and that is pretty much me in a nutshell. Okay, wow. Um, Now, do you, um, what do you do for a full-time job um, or aside from the, the, when you're not weightlifting, like, and stuff like that? So I am a pediatric speech language pathologist. I um, Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's so funny to me because I feel like when people hear that about me, they're like, oh, wow, you, you do something more than just Olympic weightlifting. But I do, yeah. So I <laughs> do a speech therapy. Um, I work with the pediatric population. I go into daycares, homes, and um, see clients in the clinic as well. I specialize primarily in feeding swallowing therapy, but also see kids for traditional speech language therapy services too. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Other than that too, I guess I should probably say I do nutrition coaching on the side. That's a new thing. Not as prevalent as my other things that I have going on, but I do have a few clients that I see for nutrition coaching as well. Okay. So you like to pack your schedule too. Absolutely. Sitting still is very difficult for me. <laughs> I like to stay busy. I've always been that way. All right. Glad I'm not the only one, though, because I mean, I'm doing um, full time engineer uh, training to make a, a national team. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll add a podcast in there. Why not? And then, you know, every other week I'm like, all right, I'm trying to do this. I'm 3D printing this. I'm trying to make something. And it's like, um, I should really slow down. But then it's like, wait, no, no, I need to fill it. I need to fill my schedule. It works a whole lot better that way a hard time saying no because i do um no actually i don't have a hard time saying no i actually i'm all good with saying no for for doing um i guess it depends so you're saying when when other people ask you to do things to say no or yourself yeah yeah, either both i just have a hard time saying no because i want to do things all the time okay for me like me personally when it's something that i want to do uh if i feel like i'm i'm not gonna be it's not going to come up that I would say no to it. Um, when someone else asks me to do something, if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. it whether it there's, I have no hard time saying no about that. I'm, I'm very blunt with others. So like, if I, if I don't want to do it, it's just not happening. I don't care. If it's not going to benefit you. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like I'll like uh, I'm all for you know doing something somebody wants help or anything like that, and and sometimes it's, it's if it's fun and I get no benefit from it, that's cool too, and I'll I'll gladly do it. But if I just decide that I don't want to do it, like I I have no problem saying no. And you need to give me some of that no. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a learned skill. It it makes it makes it a a lot easier. I mean, it it gives me a little bit of grief being so blunt that I am. Um, my friends at this point now in my life, they all know that I'm blunt. So, you know, they come for me for the blunt answers. They're like, you're going to keep it real. You're going to tell me how it is. It may hurt, but I know it's the truth. So like, that's, that's kind of the reputation that I have now with my friends. Uh, I'm working on that this year. That's what I'm doing. All right. So when you're, when you're, you know, having this hard time saying no, and you're, you're filling your schedule, like how are you managing all your time with um, finding out, finding times to lift and, and, and do your job and all these other things that you've got going on? Like what's, What's the main thing you focus on to keep those priorities like going and in, in, in line? It's funny that you're asking this because I just had a conversation with some of my weightlifting friends earlier today at brunch about how this year has been so different for me. And I've had quite a, mm-hmm. quite a few people ask me like, why has this year been so different for you versus previous years before? And um, I think a lot of it, I got fired from my job with the state the end of January a silly situation and of course I was very upset and frustrated by it all and I was given no reason and so um when I was looking for another job I knew that I wanted to make sure that I could prioritize training and so finding a job where I could kind of essentially make my own schedule was important to me and I found a job Mm -hmm. that I could make my own schedule so because of that I get to prioritize training and make sure that I block off ample amount of time in order for me to be able to get my training in recovery in appointments and things like that and really I just work in the afternoons which is so nice um But yeah, I mean, just like I was telling you, I've been trying to work on saying no, and I have been trying really hard to be a little bit more selfish with my time because I am so much a yes, people pleaser kind of person. And um, you ask me to do something, you need help. I'm almost always willing to drop everything to help. But I have decided this is the year I'm going to set my goals on the forefront of my brain, and I'm going to really attack it and get after it. And so I keep reminding myself, be more selfish and put yourself first. Okay. And I mean, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with like the quote unquote, like being selfish. Like it sounds weird to say it, but everyone I feel like needs to have that a little bit. Like you need to be a little bit selfish, especially with your time. Like your time is important and, and it's good to, to know that, no, this is, I'm dedicating this time to me. Um, it's a little mm-hmm. different for me cause I have, you know, my set schedule. It's, I say set, but it's, uh, I guess a little bit flexible as, as far as when I end. Um, as long as I get my eight and a half hours at work, uh, including my lunch, it doesn't matter. So, you know, if I start at 7.30, if I start at 8.30, it just means whether I get out earlier or later. Um, me, I like to work out in the afternoon just because that's what I'm used to with practicing for sports in high school and college. It was always in high school, it was, you know, three o'clock practice. In college, it was 2.30, three o'clock practice. And so now it's like, all right, yeah, now it's like four o'clock practice. Like, that's not an issue. Um, and since I'm not a morning person, I've gotten up and, and done practices with my coach at 8 a.m. and Sometimes it's like, yeah, it's really rewarding. You know, you get it done with, you're you're done for the day, but there's, I'm not getting up to practice and be done and showered and ready to go by seven 30 to be at work, like, and then sit through the day. Like I just, it's just not me. So like, I, I have no problem with sacrificing what I'm doing. And then 
if something comes up. Up, I, I I'm okay with being flexible. Facing this week, like I can do that. So uh, I guess I'm a little bit more. I can be a little bit more flexible in it that way. Yeah. See, Olympic weightlifting is totally not flexible in that sense. You know, each cycle, it's one week builds on top of another, on top of another. So if you miss a workout, yep. you're expected to kind of make it up in the next day or whenever you can. Um, and also, okay. though, I'm very type A, and I like if I am programmed a workout, I feel like I need to get that done. Too. Okay. So I always try to prioritize that, which is probably bad. But yeah, I am a one that I just need to get it done and out of the way, and I can have the rest of the day to enjoy or do whatever and plan around it. I mean, but that's that's good too, though, because you have the rest of the day, and and it's good to 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 stick with that. So I guess the the issue is when it, when someone falls like somewhere in between you and me. Like I'm flexible with it, but I I get it done no matter what. Like at the end of the day, like I got it done. Or I got something that substituted that was the equivalent for it. For you, like you're like I'm getting it done. So as opposed to someone who's just like, ah, I'll be flexible, but ah, you know what? I missed four days. Whatever, it's okay. Like I I can't do that. That's just gonna hurt me in the end. But it's yeah. definitely it's it's definitely interesting to see uh, the the way people like you know uh, are different with how they manage their time and and what they're allowed to do. And of course, it's even harder when you have a, another job on top of that. Right. Yeah. At my old job, before I got fired, I, you know, would work the standard seven to like three 30, but it was 45 minutes away of drive time. So you factor that in and then I would get to the mm -hmm. gym at like four 30 and then I would want to get home at a decent time to cook dinner and shower and then get to bed at a decent time because we all need sleep. Um, yep. but I always felt like I was rushing through training. And so it's so nice now that I can wake up eat breakfast, make breakfast at that, not even have to resort to like something quick and easy, uh, yeah. walk the dog and then train and then be able to shower and then have the rest of the day. And so, and then one thing too, I don't know how you feel, but I hate being rushed. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't like, like being train. rushed either. Yeah. When I'm training, I want to fully dial in and focus on my training. I don't want to be disrupted. I don't want to feel rushed. I don't want to feel distracted. So, so how, how much, how much time do you like allow your, like how much how I'm sorry, how big are your training blocks, your time wise? Like how much time are you training a day or, or setting aside to training a day? Just just the training, not the recovery and all the other stuff that goes with it. Too. Yeah. Olympic weightlifting is crazy. So from yeah. like warm up to the end of accessory work, probably two and a half hours, three hours of work a day. Okay. Yeah. See that's that's I guess that's the other big the other big difference. So I'm if I'm doing a workout, you know, and I include the the rest between reps, you know, and just because I'm, you know, running out, oh, I got 15 minutes between sets and stuff like that, or whatever it is on that day, maybe mm -hmm. a workout will take me anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half. But then my lifting schedule after I leave there, you know, not accounting for travel time from the track to the gym, like my workout blocks are only meant to be 45 minutes at the most. Like we're not supposed to. I, like we try not to spend more than 45 minutes in the gym of just, yeah. just the lifting. And then, and that, that does not include the, the stretching and stuff that I do like with that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, but very different. 
I know. It's so weird to hear about how every sport is so different. My friends are like, why are you at the gym for so long? Or why does it take so long to get to, to do a training session? I told them, well, you know, because I have to do the stretching and the warm up stuff before I even get to my warm up sets mm-hmm. in order to build up to my working percentage percentages. And then once I get done with the movement, let's say I was doing snatch, I would have to warm up to that. And then I have clean and jerk next on my program for the day. So then I have to strip the bar and completely work up to that working percentage for the day. And then if I have yep. misses, I have to redo them. And then, yeah, so it's just all the things. So, and that's, I guess that's the other difference too. So when I'm in the weight room, all of, all of my stuff is just for the most part, supersets of, of whatever it is. Oh. So like, I'm only, I'm only doing a few, like I'm, I'm only doing cleans, uh, hand clean or power clean um squat olympic lifts lift. yeah you. you yeah you gotta as a as a track athlete you have to be doing olympic lifts like there's no like if and that's that's something i like i'm coaching um i'm volunteer coaching for high school kids like i'm trying to get them to, to like not heavy because you they're still developing but to understand that they have to like get those motions in. they're gonna get to college and they're gonna get thrown into a weight room and they have no idea yeah. what they're doing yeah. but yeah no and so it's I, good for power output too yeah yeah especially as a sprinter like the mm-hmm. all those lifts are are a necessity so i do those but they're never like maybe one day i'm doing um squats and 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 hang clean and then there's reps and stuff and power and supersets of stuff in between that so it's never like all like a, not a lot of bar changing at the moment so like mm-hmm. I, you know I'll, I'll do a squat i'll go do a rep of something else i'll come back and, and go back and forth with that's done and then i strip the bar do hang cleans with whatever that's going with and then after that like i'm more or less done until I get, you know, go stretch and stuff. So it's a lot. It's just, you know, kind of just quick through the motion doing it, you know, still like if I miss a set or I miss a, I miss a rep, like I'll redo it, but it's really. Slight, so quick. It's not yeah. Yeah. Mm, jealous about that. Sounds like a deload week for me, which I really love deload weeks because those are very fast and simple workouts. And then I have much more time in the day, but Yep, I know. I'm about to start my new training cycle, so I'm anxious to see what that's going to be like. Oh, a few weeks, I'll be on my my off season cycle, so that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I just like I'm going on vacation at the end of the month, so I'm like, all right, cool. Now this is a week of nothing, and then I come back and I'm like, all right, now I'll jog. I'll, I'll go to the weight room. I'll lift light. Like that's cool. We can do that. So that's yes. that's what I'm looking forward to. But uh, it's it's definitely interesting to see the 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 difference. Like I'm like I said, like I'm in and out of the weight room as quick as possible. Like not as quick as possible, but relatively quickly. Like even at college when we were lifting, we still wouldn't spend more than an hour in the weight room usually, just because it doesn't Gosh. doesn't benefit us. I did my my uh, my current coach did one time um, when I was still in grad school and I could had the free time to do this. He made me do this thing called squat holiday where I had to lift three times a day. I was squatting three times a day for six days. And I can't say that I could not feel my legs by day three. And then was surprised that I was able to walk at the end of the week and lifting more, but it, it made my squat like ridiculously bigger than it was. But yeah, I'm so happy that now I no longer have the availability to do that ever again. Three times a day, front and back squat, or just back? Squat, uh, just back or? squat, just back squat. Oh my land! And the, like the so- the weights, like it varied. Um, it's like the, it was like this program where you have to like have a certain amount of time between each lift, and you know you have to make sure you get the right amount of food in between each lift. And it was like 
it it probably got my max squat up maybe it got it up i want to say 60 plus pounds hey what is your max squat my max squat before covid was 425 for three hey now no <laughs> no i'm faster now than before than before but it's we're not like concerned about trying to get it back up there because i'm running faster so we're just efficient now but yeah it, it was it was up there for that and that was like that was i was happy with that being at 425 for three um just because we stay away from doing anything less than three rep maxes because i have no hamstrings left from running track. Interesting. Yep. Hmm. Wow. It's funny that you talk about how you have to squat like under time or with time in between because I was actually talking to someone the other day and they had watched my competition at nationals and they were very, very much confused as to why things were ran the way that they were at nationals. Mm-hmm. And I think what people have a hard time understanding is that it's not like on a clock. Things are constantly changing during a competition. So I could either like do a lift and follow myself within one minute, two minutes, or wait for even as long as like 12 minutes, like I did at nationals. And um, so programming time in between is such a huge, I don't know. It's very hard. It's very hard to decide like how much time to lift in between. I normally train in my garage, so I. Okay. Yeah, I've I've seen that on Instagram. Oh yeah. So I decide like when I take the next lift, but having someone tell me like on a clock you can only lift during this time is very di- difficult for me. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine doing that. Like the, uh, especially just with how I lift too. It's it's all just my my rest most of the time is the supersets that I do with them. So like, uh, so that's good enough to get my rep in and still do the weights. And then if it's like, all right, I'm not hitting it either. It's too heavy or I just need like, you know, another 30 seconds rest. And it's not, it's not a big deal because of what it's for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever done EMOMs? Don't even know what that is. And I probably don't want to, but please (laughs) tell me. Uh, EMOM stands for every minute on the minute. So every minute on the minute you do a set or a rep or whatever it may be, but that is super challenging. No, nope, I've done track workouts yeah, like that. Good for you. No, no. I've done track workouts like that. So we, we've done, um, what were they? We did 170 meters on a minute. Uh, so we did oh, back in college. So is whatever you ran, whatever time was left, that was your rest. So you run it slow, you get very little rest, you run it fast. You get a lot of rest, but now you're tired because you ran it fast. So those you're those dying. ones are real tricky is kind of like finding that sweet spot because you were doing a lot. It was a lot of reps. Sounds terrible, and it makes me want to vomit. <laughs> All right. So um, another, like, you know, important, aside from, like, time management, another really big thing um, that I like to, to talk about is what do you do to stay um, not motivated because, you know, what do you do when you when you have that lack of motivation that that, that keeps you dedicated and on what you're doing? You know, you're not you don't want to train today, but you know you have to do it anyway. Is there anything you tell yourself, anything you do to to kind of get yourself going? Yeah, so I think this is kind of like a a loaded question because I grew up in a very difficult home setting. My parents divorced when I was younger and both my parents were struggling financially and were not very present. And 
Um, so I didn't get to do the sports and extracurricular activities, like all the other kids that I was with, you know? And so, um, then that obviously has pushed me to become a very motivated and goal oriented person because I really had to just rely on myself. And I knew that I wanted to be successful and I wanted to be someone that people could look up to. And I've always said that I've always wanted to change the world and however I could do that, I wanted to do. And so through college continued to just, I was involved in a lot of leadership things. I, led a lot of different groups and events on campus. I was in the president's leadership council. So I did a lot of that. And then once I discovered CrossFit, I realized my potential as an athlete because of how Mm -hmm. competitive I was and how much I enjoyed being at the gym and, um, you know, going after these goals and winning. Like I loved being on the podium (laughs) with these CrossFit competitions. And, um, but then I realized like it just was a lot of work to, to run, (laughs) (laughs) I had always been told like, gosh, you're so strong. You're so good at the barbell. And every time we had a competition, I was always the one that had to do like the one rep maxes or lift the heavy weights. And so I knew I had um, some potential there. And I went to a CrossFit competition a couple of years ago, listened to a, uh, an Olympic weightlifting coach. And he was talking about all these cues and corrections. And it really drew me into the sport. And, Mm -hmm. He at the time was coaching an athlete who, um, her name is Maddie Rogers, and she's actually going to the Olympics and competing there. Wow. He's been chasing after her Olympic dreams for awesome. quite some time now, which is so inspiring. But I just, I don't know, I've always felt a sense of urgency with wanting to do something for me because I've never had that feeling before. Um, so with that being said, my goals have changed a lot within the last couple of years after seeing my potential in the sport. And when I have those days where I'm having a hard time feeling motivated or tired, I tell myself like, I love this sport. And if I want to get better, do better, be good. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me, let me rephrase that. Not be good, be great. Then okay, yep, I- there it is to leave it all at the door and I need to focus and dial in. And, um, I say that though, I feel like there are days though, when we do struggle and it's very important to listen to our bodies and acknowledge that too. And, um, my coach and I have a great relationship and he has even told me before, you know, like Liz, when you come to me and tell me you're having a hard day and your body's feeling tired, I truly think that you are being honest about it and let's acknowledge that. And let's just come back to the gym the next day when you're feeling better. Yeah. Um, so it's a balance. It's a balance of, you know, is this a, I feel like crap and I don't want to, or is this like, I am just getting in my head about it and not wanting to, I think there's a difference there. Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's definitely big. Um, I, I'd say I agree with you with the, the whole, is this day because I'm feeling bad or because like, you know, physically feeling bad or mentally like just, drained or I just don't want to or even just actually like along with that physically feeling bad that also that mental side of it too because they can kind of go hand in hand and it's mm-hmm. it is it can be hard to like you know decide on the two and I, my like my coach is also the same way if I'm telling like um no like I'm it's like it's we're, we're not doing this today like I'm there's no way and because I don't I won't tell him that often he's like all right yeah okay I'll change it up 
Like if I tell him that he knows, okay, we're going to change up today's workout. Like, yeah, go take it easy. Um, because I, I'm also someone that suffers, um, like I get migraines and unfortunately it's because of my own bad habit. So when I'm at work, um, especially when I'm actually in the office, um, I'll drink my, it, it's one with water and with food. Like I'll drink my water bottle, I'll fill it and I'll drink it. But once I get, um, fully going and in, in my work on my computer, diving in and uh, doing like my modeling as an engineer and stuff like that, like I'll zone out and two o'clock will hit and I haven't had nearly mm. even like half a gallon of water for the day or mm. two o'clock will hit and I'm just now eating lunch. So now I'm like, oh, and at that point now it's too late. I'm getting a migraine no matter what I could eat. I could take a Tylenol like I'm getting a migraine. So it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to take it easy today. So it's like stuff like that where it's like, yeah, like again, listening to your body. Those are completely like, I feel like listening to your body as opposed to um, on those days, as opposed to when you're mentally just kind of in your head, like, oh yeah, like I just want, don't feel like doing it. They're like understanding that difference. Right. Yeah. It's so important to be able to understand that difference. And like initially when I first started, I'd be like, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm not going to train today. I'll just do it later. But I also know, and and you probably can emphasize with this too, but being in a routine also helps too. Whenever I'm yep. eat, eating better, I, I do better. Whenever I am in a set routine with my training schedule, I do a lot better. It's like the ebbs and flows of training. If I mm-hmm. am having to reschedule and do a lot of things, that becomes much more difficult for me to stay on track. So, And the other thing that keeps me like, you know, brings me back around to that motivation, motivational energy and, you know, keeps me going even when I don't want to, it's that I, when something has my name attached to it, like I want to make sure it comes out good. So that, and that go applies to my training. Like this has my name on it. Cause I'm the one doing it. Like I'm hey. putting all my effort into it. And it's the same thing with at work. Like this project has my name on it. I'm not going to half-ass it because like, hey. I don't, I don't want to make my name look bad by doing something like that. And then yeah, I and also, we're happy to report to someone too, you know, your coach, like you have to tell your yep. coach, like, here's how my training went today. Yep. And you can either say my training was terrible because I, you know, stayed up late partying and whatnot, or, you know, or I had a great training day today and this is what I did and feel proud of yourself. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And then I, I also actually have um, a quote that my great grandma says, that's my other, you know, motivational uplifter it's uh, let go and let god which is what i apply to like everything that i do which is part of my um blunt no nonsense no nonsense kind of attitude like whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen i put in the effort like oh like you know come race day i've done the training i put the effort in now nah, it's got to show up and i gotta do it like it's at this point like i can't do anymore because like i just have to do what what's gonna happen like, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen so i kind of apply that to everything so with that in mind I make it sure that like, all right, like, yeah, I got to go to practice because then if I can't, I can't say that I did everything and now whatever's going to happen is going to happen because that's not the case. If I didn't go, I didn't show up. I didn't do what I was supposed to. Right. And, you know, you said um, I have to go to practice. I've been really trying to change my mindset and not saying I have to train or I have to do this. I've been trying to say I get to because what a blessing it is that we have able bodies, that we get to be put in these positions to try for a national team or try for an international team or whatever it may be, you know, um, regarding like age or whatever it may be. The fact that we get to do these things is huge. And I guess the other, the other big thing is just showing up. Like 
if I if I if I don't feel like doing it, and I get in the car and and get to the track, like my mindset is already trained. Once I get out of the car at the track, like I'm already like, all right, well I'm here. Let's go. Let's do it. So that mm-hmm. that sometimes can even be the hardest thing. So getting over that is really big, and that you know makes the difference for some people. Absolutely agreed with that. So um, as a as an Olympic lifter, like are there like some some misunderstandings in other sports communities that like that we're not like that we see that we're like oh and that's not at all the case any like really like really glaring things that <laughs> yes <laughs> that you might so, even find hilarious that we like that people say or or, or go about that you really want to inform people of the biggest thing is most often whenever I tell everyone that I do Olympic weightlifting they say oh how much do you bench <laughs> and I say I don't. I don't bench at all. And so then we go into this long conversation about the difference between powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. So Mm -hmm. to clarify, powerlifting is squat, bench, and deadlift. And then Olympic weightlifting is essentially just the Olympic style of weightlifting is the snatch and the clean and jerk. So there's the difference there. But yes, that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, and especially in Oklahoma, because it's not a huge sport in Oklahoma at all. Um, okay. So people get confused. Unless you do CrossFit, then you probably don't really know about the Olympic lifts. Um, but I would say that's probably the biggest misconception or confusing term to people. Okay. That's, I mean, I can, I can see why. I mean, even, even from a, an athletic standpoint, like, yeah, I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to lump all these in the olympic lift like yeah i yeah i I olympic lift in the gym nope okay i just power lift all right sounds good thank you for letting me know (laughs) now don't get me wrong we sometimes will we incorporate squatting obviously we need leg strength for the olympic lifts we don't really bench often but i can't say that i haven't ever really had that in my programming before either um and then deadlifts i mean we may not do like a traditional deadlift or so much like a sumo deadlift but we have Mm -hmm. like clean grip deadlifts or snatch grip deadlifts, you know, so kind of the same, but not the same. Yeah. But we, we both do what's necessary for our sport. Yes, exactly. Like I, I need to squat. I need to, to, to hang clean, power clean for that explosive power. And I need to, I say need, but like, you know, need to bench also for the upper body, the arm strength that, which is, you know, a really big factor at the end of a lot of races. And mm-hmm. making sure that all these things are, are coming into play and depending on the event you're doing, not making sure that you're not necessarily bulking, that you're just lean muscle. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because my coach and I were talking, we normally get together after a competition and kind of decide like, what is our plan moving forward mm-hmm. to prep for the next big competition? And I had asked like, can I please squat some more? Because he has not been letting me squat at all. And mm-hmm. if I do get a squat in my program, it's mostly like a, build to a challenging paused front squat or something silly like that. It's not squatting for volume, but um, he just doesn't want me to squat very much because he doesn't want me to build much more muscle mass in my legs because then it becomes much more difficult to cut weight later on, you know, and I already have plenty of leg strength, so we don't need to, you know, build on that. Yeah. So, and then for, for me, it's, uh, it's about, maintaining staying lean but also still just getting stronger so i i want my my squats to, my squat rep and 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 weight to go up but i'm not trying to go from 165 to 175 pounds like i'm not trying to go up like that but i'm also not worrying about cutting 
come the end of the season because I'm just trying to find whatever my optimal racing rate weight is for me for the most part anyway, all around. Yeah. Wow. It's so fun to hear this, that side of the sport for you. I'm sure it's very interesting to hear my side too. With oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. different. It's really like, it's, it's completely, and it's different than what I was expecting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes people are like, well, what are you cutting weight for? Like, I didn't realize it was a weight class for. And so I, I get that with Olympic weightlifting, but mm-hmm. even with hearing you talk about how you want to maintain like 165 versus like bulking up to 175 makes sense because you obviously want to be fast. And yeah. muscle mass can slow you down. Yeah. And then, I mean, because it, it, it varies. I'd say like your typical, like example, like your typical 100 meter sprinters, those guys are 175, 180 pounds. Um, I'm not sure if you, um, saw when the NFL player, NFL player, uh, DK Metcalf ran the hundred against, uh, these professional track athletes. He was weighing, I think they said he weighed 235. My, so he's, what? he's, and that's normal for football and that makes sense for football, but he, and he, and he did really, I'll say he did amazing. He ran a really good time, but you could see where the fact that he weighed 40 pounds more and his ability to carry that weight really affected him once you got to 60 meters. So that's the oh, way yeah. those things don't necessarily always carry over as well as people think they might. Well, um, I was talking to a friend earlier about um, cutting and stuff like that. And um, I was telling them that I really like to train at a lower weight class, closer to what I have to weigh in as for a competition because I don't want to go through like a huge weight cut and then suffer mm-hmm. with loss of strength and whatnot. But also it's a catch 22 because when you weigh heavier, you're building more muscle mass and obviously getting stronger as well. Okay. Yeah. That's like, that's not even things that I really consider. Like that's not in, in our training thought process for me specifically. I know that there are like, there are some people that, that have their um, regular season, for even for track regular season weights and some of them do cut down, slim down a little bit come competition. That's more. So I can like, um, Nick Simmons, 800 runner. He does that. He did that, which I, and it was like, it was like, I want to say like 10 pounds. He was saying, which can oh be my. kind of drastic and it worked for him. And it definitely, I like, guess not something that you could say works for everybody. I'm not going to knock it cause he's an Olympic medalist. So like, power to you but there's that's definitely something that does not work for a lot of people so like the only the only difference for me is when i'm out of season i probably weigh like 157 pounds i lose weight out of season and then i come back and then I, and weigh whatever i weigh during the season the opposite yeah so and it, that's just because <laughs> because i have such low body fat once i stop lifting i lose weight first and i'm never out long enough to start putting on body fat to then regain that weight that makes sense. I see. So, and so that's why, like, it's like, all right, cool. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, my jeans fit. And then mid-track season, crap, my jeans don't fit. The legs? Yeah, right, the thighs. They just don't fit. And I was like, this <laughs> sucks. I call pants or all jeans leg prisons because they just, I hate pants. Hate them. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Who is it? Who has the... American Eagle. I've, I found the best, the best jeans for, for track, at least track thighs. That's the, that's so far. <laughs> I'll have to keep that in mind. I usually get my jeans from Madewell, but. 
All right. They have that all that stretch. Yep. But, yep. That's yeah. what I've. Oh, it says Aeroflex. Cool. We're going with that. That that works. They fit. <laughs> yeah, I would prefer to wear shorts even in the winter time, just because I hate putting on pants. Uh, and, and it's worse for 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 slacks for work. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No go. No thanks. So, but I mean, it's uh, but it's definitely it's like like you said, completely different and really interesting the the different training aspects that go into that and the thought process too it's like uh how like how big are your training blocks like the your plans like your like for each i guess during the year like how big do you plan ahead yeah that's a great question so i just got done with senior nationals and i took this last week off um starting again tomorrow and my training blocks are actually four week cycles at a time um coach just told me that we're going to kind of run through a mini strength cycle so it's going to include all the squats and all of the pulls and i'm so excited about that um but normally about um i don't know three months out which will be my next big competition will be in december the american open finals Mm -hmm. denver um but three months out from that we'll really start amping up a lot more higher percentage work, a lot more singles, doubles, um, not so much voluminous work. Um, so we are going to start focusing a lot on accessories and technique these next couple of weeks, building up strength in my pull and in my legs again. And then um, we'll start ramping up again, September, October, maybe. We'll see. Now, my coach never and, tells me. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you, um, for, again, back to the flexibility from, from the time management, does do you and your coach allow for a lot of flexibility within your training block and changing stuff? So for example, for me, for example, um, my coach, we plan it. It's like a, a month long training block, a session. Everything is kind of like planned out, but you know, come one week to the next week, maybe like, okay, like, yeah, we're a lot of, we're more ahead than where we thought we would be right now. Like we can, we can go up a little bit or you know, this week is like, oh, you have a lot going on this week. I'm going to tone it back for you this week and stuff like that. Like, is there for, for what you're doing? Um, I think it's a little back and forth. And so, like I said, my training cycles are usually four weeks long and they usually start off very, very um, light. And then they build progressively over the weeks. Um, but oftentimes too, my coach will program like build to a challenging um, for the day, which helps because, you know, not every day I'm going to wake up and feel great, but also not every day I'm going to wake up feeling awful either. And so, um, I, that first week I always set, um, like my goals for the trainings for the next four weeks. And I say, you know, this is what I hit today. Next week, I want to hit this the following week, the following after that. Um, Mm -hmm. now as far as flexibility and changing, I feel like most often the movement stays the same, the percentages can change. change. So I'm just, having a terrible day feeling awful I can tell my coach you know today was not a great day I'm gonna try I'm gonna get my best for the day but yep. um, I also acknowledge that it's probably not going to be as what we both want to be for that day that's okay yeah. because not every training cycle is great not every training cycle can be perfect um it's every day is a learning opportunity to know my body I feel like I figure new things out on my body every training cycle I remember when um at, when we were at college, um sometimes uh, after the sprint is we finish our workout and we're we're doing our cool down and stuff and we're going past our coach as he's now having the distance guys do their workouts. Um, sometimes you'd see him, he'd sit there. He goes, ah, yep, you can see he was studying for a test last night. And he goes like, yeah, like he he knows that he's not like hitting the times, like he understands. 
So like it's very mm-hmm. like a very thing understanding thing, and that's what I'm trying to do now as I start to to coach and I'm training kids too. It's like I like like I don't like um, the uses of percentages for track on certain days. Like I'll I'm, I'm okay with me like picking a day and I'll tell you a percentage, but I'm still gonna time you because I still need to know whether like this is what your actual 75% is on the day or whether you're feeling like crap or whatever, or like, or if, you know, I tell you 75 and you're not hitting it. And I tell you like to pick it up and that looks more like 75 and that's what it's supposed to be. And you're still comfortable. So you were just slacking on the first one. So kind of just, and it's a, a different like, you know, mindset, which is I'm finding it really fun to get into as a coach, like seeing that other side of that and really understanding what coaches were telling me in the past and really kind of breaking that down. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. You're talking about percentages and even like the mental aspect of the sport. And I'm sure this is the same way with track too. But um, oftentimes when I see something programmed for me and it's like hit 90% of snatch or 95% of this or whatever, and I'm not able to hit it, I get very defeated about it and think like, was my body not primed? Was I what went wrong today? Did I not get enough sleep? Did I not get good sleep? And so okay. I feel then discouraged if I'm not able to hit that percentage. And so I think that's also important as far as acknowledging and recognizing like what your body is feeling, but also knowing that the flexibility of a program too, it's okay mm-hmm. that we don't hit those percentages, but it's fun to listen to your point of view as a coach with your athletes that you coach. So, but then you, like you, like earlier, you said you were like type A, I feel like that goes with your person. Like you, like you, you get, you get given a set percentage and you don't hit it. So now you're like, why not? Why Did not? I do wrong? Am I not strong enough? Yes. Absolutely. So like for me, yeah. like, like, um, and I guess I kind of take this into everything. Like I, I give myself a certain amount of time to like try to dissect it. And then after like five, 10 minutes, like, all right, whatever. Like it, I, yeah, I'm done with it. Um, and then something my coach showed me, told me, he was like, um, 90% of your workouts are just going to be average workouts. Those are the workouts that are actually getting you better. Those are the good workouts. That's what you want. You're going to have 5% of the workouts where you're going to feel, you know, like Superman. You're going to feel like this is like, like this is ridiculous. Oh my God, let's go on the day. And then those other five, you're going to feel like you just spent the entire night in fight club getting beat up all night long and you didn't win a single fight and it just feels horrible. Like it's, and that's, like you got to understand like, yeah, those 5% do happen and like, all right, cool. Like it's whatever it happened, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, and just kind of move on. So that's kind of what I'm really big on. Like, um, a lot of things like I'm like, all right, cool. Like I didn't hit the times today. And or, or there's times where I think I didn't hit the times. Like, oh, this was bad. I'll text my coach. I go, he goes, oh, okay, good job. I go, wait, what? Okay, sure. Fine. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> you sure that's what we wanted? Yeah, that's what I wanted. I just, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll take that. Fine. And it just, the whole mood changes, but I try not to let myself get to that down mood where he like te- he'll text me back I'm like oh it was good like at this point like all right cool like yeah this is what I hit today like it's it is what it is and mm-hmm. like whether that was better than I'm expecting or not like I can't be mad about it because I know that 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 one day with respect to the entire week like it, it's you can't really take that too much to heart because like one I, bad day and you have five six good days okay that's fine I started telling myself to make minimums and maximums for myself for a training Mm -hmm. session. So if I'm programmed, like build to a challenging of something, I would say, okay, like today, my minimum for this complex, which I know for sure I can hit even with like meh sleep. Um, I want to hit the minimum for sure. And I will be pleased if, and if I can hit that minimum. Now the maximum is okay. Like I'm getting through it. I'm doing the workout. I feel good. 
I'm going to hit the maximum today. So something like that has helped me a lot mentally. Um, that way I'm not sitting on a set number, my maximum, and then feeling mm -hmm. encouraged if I'm not hitting that. I mean, that's a really good mindset that people can, can do with whatever they're doing. Like give your, give yourself a range. Um, to, to an, an allowable, acceptable range. And that's, that's a lot of my workouts too. So like, you know, some days if I'm doing 200, he'll say, you know, 25, to 24 to 25. Okay. If I hit anywhere in there, I'm good. If for some reason mm -hmm. I go faster than that. Awesome. I, as long as I can hit the other ones on, then yes, that's the only way where, where it's like, all right, like, like sometimes we'll, we'll like, I'll hit all of them on. And then the last one he goes, all right, cool. Give me what you got. Um, but I'm also at a point now where I understand my body where, if you told a high schooler, give me what you got, they're going to go out and probably get hurt. Like, give yep. me what you got doesn't mean I want you straining and ready to pull a muscle. It means what do you got? Good form, good technique. Keep it smooth. And if you Push hit it. faster, mm -hmm. great, but at least hit the time. Okay, cool. And that's like, that's something that's a lot. It's really like trying to teach kids that and, and have them understand and learn and understand their body. Like, understand what it means to be, you know, pushing, to be hurting, to whether you're mm -hmm. hurt or is it just a, a pain? Like, can you work mm -hmm. through that? And, and that's how, how you build those kids up. And, you know, I think it's kind of an ego thing too. Cause I feel like, Oh, I have to hit this number because so-and-so hit it. So I have to do more than that person. <laughs> and I've had to really take a step back and tell myself, and I need to, I've been working on not comparing myself to other lifters too, because mm -hmm. I mean, that just kind of gets in the way of a lot of different things, but knowing and understand like my potential and my threshold and knowing when to push like you talked about is so important especially for these young athletes too because I know that it's got to be hard to be in high school these days like I can't even yes. imagine what it's like to be in high school right now honestly and so I'm sure in the weight room they're like oh you did what let me one up you you know where they feel the yeah. need to have to one up someone else and so I feel like it's so important to talk about like really understanding and seeing what your body is feeling day by day. Yep. And then being like, Oh, that's okay. I remember there was one point where I was supposed to be doing uh repeat three hundreds and they were supposed to be at, I want to say 40 seconds. And they, I, I think I had four of them and I hit the first, the first one. And then the next two or the next, uh, the next, I'm sorry. No, I hit all, I didn't hit any of them. Didn't get any of them on point. They're supposed to be at 40 seconds and I probably hit 44 and then 45 and then i was like yeah we're stopping like, was, like that that but that's for for what we do like doing another one is not gonna help me because there's something not right on the day where i'm that far off if it was like i'm supposed to hit 40 and you know i'm hitting 41 i'm hitting 42 fine we'll finish it but like there's a i understand a threshold where we are far enough off where this is not helping and you're only gonna hurt yourself more mm -hmm. by just pushing to that limit and I know I've had those days where I've had a really terrible training day and then I just think I'm gonna come back tomorrow and I'm gonna try again and it's just 10 times better so um I, you had mentioned that uh you're doing uh nutritional coaching too yes so like how 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 has been how has it been getting into that how has it been like building that like network essentially building um, your client list. Cause that's, you know, another big thing, another, another thing that all these different aspects go into your time management and your motivation, all this stuff you're trying to, it's more like you're building a business. Like, how has that been? How, like, you know, some of the details on that. 
Well, I got into it because I obviously am in a weight class sport. And so it's so important to be on top of my nutrition and mm-hmm. um, cutting weight is not easy, nor is it fun all the time. And um, a couple of years ago when I was cutting weight for a competition, I was with this nutrition coach and um, also during this time, like I was going through a breakup and with this breakup, the ex-boyfriend's dad had been diagnosed with esophageal cancer and he had to go back and forth from Colorado to Oklahoma City, and it was just a very stressful time in my life, on top of cutting weight for this competition, and so my weight was not budging, and I think that a lot of people forget that stress can affect weight, so if you're mm-hmm. super stressed out, um, you're not going to be losing any weight probably. Yeah. Um, and that's what was happening with my body. My hormones were way out of whack, and uh, my stress hormone was rocketing and um it was the worst weight cut i had ever been through i when i was at the competition i actually missed my first weigh-in and had only an hour to drop i don't even remember 0.2 kilos or something but i was already getting so dehydrated i peed everything out had already been sitting in the sauna it was awful um but from that competition a lot of negative things had happened i got shingles from being so stressed out and there was like probably TMI, but it was my last period that I had for a year and a half. Um, just because that whole weight cut and stress threw my whole body into survival mode pretty much. So from that point, I'd always felt so motivated to help females, especially with their Mm -hmm. nutrition because the media and even their trainers everywhere that tell females like you're eating too much or, um, I don't know, just telling them what they can and should eat. And often they're not eating enough. And often my clients tell me like, I'm just eating like 1200 calories. And I have to tell them like, you need to eat more. And they struggle with eating more That's and they hate eating more. But then once they start eating more, their weight starts dropping. And it's because their body's no longer in survival mode. Um, yes. It's just so important, especially if you're an athlete too, you have to fuel your workouts in. Um, so it's been a huge challenge because it, I mean, women were very stubborn anyway, but to hear that yep. we have to eat more is very contradictory to what we hear every day Aside, from, from what society has been telling people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't have a ton of clients and honestly, it is not a priority in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Like I have a couple of clients that I dedicate a lot of time to, and I would really just love to keep it that way instead of having a ton of clients and not yep. having the time to dedicate to them. So that is part of me acknowledging and knowing that I don't have that much time. Um, But again, these women are also very, very dedicated and I want to ensure that they get um, everything they need from me as a nutrition coach so that they can meet their goals too. That's awesome. So like, um, like, as you, like you were saying, like um, track is one of the, I feel like that's one of the big sports with, especially um, with women thinking that, lighter is faster always that's that's the 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 thought process always and which you know i'm not gonna sit here and act like i know all the information or anything like that but um with the conversations that i've had with some of my um sports nutrition friends that that went to school and everything and then just the trying to take in as much knowledge as i can um like healthy is faster whatever whatever that number may be healthy is faster so healthy stronger and that may mean, you know, going up <laughs> before you go down 
or whatever. So, oh, you know, you're, yeah. Like you're, 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 you know, putting, if that means putting a little bit more on and then it becomes muscle mm-hmm. or whatever, like whatever it has to be like, but understanding that you, you got to eat just because you're lighter does not mean that you're faster. It's not always right. the case. Right. Yeah. Honestly, if I wasn't doing weightlifting, I'd throw away my scale. It's just the fact that I have to make sure what my weight is um, every yeah. day. But, you know, you said you have, you might have to get bigger or heavier in order to get lighter. Um, and that's so true because for me, especially I had to gain weight in order to get my period back and my cycle back in sync. Um, and it was awful. Like I hated how I looked. I hated how I felt. Okay. I felt super slow and training was not awesome either, but I had to do that in order to get you had to, to go through that to get. Through, oh yeah. 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 And I know that a lot of women are scared about that, the weight gain, but we constantly put our bodies into survival mode so often that our, you know, it's a defense mechanism. It's a protective mechanism. And mm-hmm. once our bodies feel safe again and not in survival mode, then that's when you can start seeing a lot more progress in body weight and toning up and leaning up and things like yep. that. So like, I don't, I, I like for me, like, I don't like, I don't count calories. Um, I can definitely say that I, I definitely need to eat a little bit healthier, but I'm also, I don't, I don't overindulge. But I also don't like deprive myself of, you know, I, yes, I want a Kit Kat. I'm having a Kit Kat. Yes, I want a drink. I'm going to have a drink tonight. Like, I, it's, it's fine. That, see? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to pour myself a glass. I'm like, that's fine, but I'm not going to drink the whole bottle. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. Like, those are like, those, there are certain things that I do cut out entirely, but other things where I'm like, it's okay for me to indulge today. Like, it's all good. Like, I like, don't to not make yourself feel bad about doing this thing, doing these things. And then I, I do see it a lot. There are a lot more, um, especially on social media, a lot more athletes talking about that and a lot more athletes talking about making their body healthy and the mental health that goes with that. And just all these different things that were, I want to say like quote unquote, like taboo topics before that people are like, yes, like we can talk about things, the, these things, we should talk about these things. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And like another taboo topic is seeing a therapist. Yes, that is that is very that is very taboo. That there are, there are definitely people that do see them. They would never admit that they see them, and that's you know within your right. But making sure that everybody knows that it's okay to talk to a therapist and people mm-hmm. like yep. you're like that does not make you crazy. That doesn't make you like like horrible. Whatever you're doing, and no, that shouldn't affect like you getting kicked out of whatever you're doing, you should be able to go see one if you need one and it is okay. Agreed. I'm a strong proponent of, of mental health. Like that's, it's, it's important, especially like not, I don't want to say, especially like make it seem like it's less, but it's, it's a big problem in sports. So I started seeing a sports psychologist because I knew that my mental strength was my biggest weakness with competing because I've never played a sport before. So I've never Mm -hmm. had that experience. And um, what I didn't realize is so much more of my personal stuff that we had to work through in order to be able to get to the sports performance side. So that's a huge, huge learning curve for me, too. Um, but it all makes sense, you know, like the type of relationship that I desire and want with a coach and how I view myself as a person and as an Mm -hmm. athlete and things like that. So it's, it's crazy and very wild to hear about how all of my personal life things affect me as an athlete. Yeah. 
like a race anxiety. Like that's a, I, I'd say that I have a little bit of race anxiety. Nothing like I, I have, I've had friends who have like pretty bad, um, where like they're like psych themselves out. Me, I'm to the point where on the night before a race, I'll usually just take a melatonin because if I get to, to 1230, if I get to one o'clock and I still can't fall asleep, I'm now going to start panicking that I'm not going to be able to fall asleep and I'm not going to get enough sleep. So then it's just like, ah, uh, crap. And then it's like, oh, is it too late now? Like, I'm already going to be deprived. Like, and then it's just the spiral. So I'm like, you know what? We're just not going to bother now. And that's not the greatest thing, but that's, that is how I, I handle that little aspect. And there's all these different things that go into these sports. And especially, you know, for people that have been doing sports their entire lives, some people have found little minute ways of coping with them. Some people are, are as you go through and, you know, something that wasn't a problem year five in your sport, year 10 in your sport is a problem. And you never know, like trying to figure out how to handle those things. Talking to someone can be helpful. Um, I actually have a friend who is um, trying to bring more light to mental health for student athletes and, and collegiate student athletes and, and realizing that like and getting people to realize like, yeah, just because this kid is on a full scholarship, that does not mean that he's got it easy. This kid could be a kid from a neighborhood where half of his friends are dead or in gangs. Um, his family can't afford to send him to college, so send him to college. So everything is riding on him keeping the scholarship. Now he's at college with a very stressful life. trying to. So no, that does not, just because he's here on a full ride does not necessarily mean, oh yeah, he's got it. It's like understanding that's not the case. And there are a lot of mental health issues in student athletes at the collegiate mm-hmm. level because that's stressful. Mm-hmm. Very much. Yep. I know firsthand. So I get yep. it. So, but it's, I'm glad it's something that a lot of people are, are shedding more light on and working on. Um, so I will be happy to I actually talk about it all the time with my friends because I'm very proud that I acknowledge that about myself and take the time to see a therapist. So well, okay, very yeah. open for yeah, I've I, I saw one when I was at school. So I, I me like I suffer from uh, intrusive thoughts. So I'll I'll tell myself something, and then it was it's a spiral. Same thing with the the sleep thing. So like points like oh like uh, my third wheel of my friend group like that example like I'll tell myself that and I before I'd have a problem where I would just like yep that's it and then it's just a negative spiral from there. So now like I know like all right like that's just a thought that's not true. And those are coping mechanisms that I got from talking to someone, a professional about it. So I'm, yeah, I'm all for it too. Awesome. So, all right. Well, looks like um, we are, (laughs) we're rounding that clock up. It's already eight o'clock. So uh, thank you so much for coming. I really did enjoy this chat. Like it was, it was absolutely amazing. Not at all what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> not like not even a little bit. Um, and that's what I like. I like to, I like to be surprised with some of the conversations and, and gain an understanding about what I don't know. Like I don't know much about Olympic weightlifting and, and, and I do like, you know, say I have an understanding of the mental process that we kind of all go through, but like, this is, it's very insightful and I'm, I'm glad that I got to hear it. And I'm glad that the listeners got to hear it too. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you again so much, everybody, for tuning in for today's episode. And thank you again, Liz, for being the guest on this episode. I really do appreciate it. It was an absolute blast to chat with you and have you on here. 
please, everybody that's listening, feel free to go ahead and give her a follow over on Instagram. I'll have it linked in my description of the episode, as well as over on my Instagram channel as well. Uh, if you like this episode, feel free to rate, review, um, share it around with all your friends. Uh, it really helps the channel grow, and I really do appreciate it. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Later. <laughs>